This chazar zechin that shabbat chesed shagim from Yehudim sechel zbavu kam daf lamet gimel. Zok tigmar brisa says the workers go into the property of the employer to collect their wages, and while they're there, they're gored by the axe of the employer or bitten by his dog, and they died as a result. The employer is potter from having to pay kaifer because they enter without permission. Others say the workers have the right to enter the employer's rishus to collect their wor- the wages, and therefore the employer would be chayiv to pay kaifer. Fact now, what's the case? If the employer can usually be found in the city, then why do the others say that they have the right to enter the property to collect the wages? They should collect it from him when he's in the city. If he's usually only found in his house, then why would the Tanakhama say he may that they, they may not enter the property? They have every right to do so to collect their wages. And for the Gemara, the case is where the employer is sometimes found in the city, but not usually. And the workers therefore went to his house and knocked on the door. When he when they knocked, he said yes. The others, the Chayim, hold that yes means come in, and the workers therefore were entering with permission. The Tanakhama says that when he says yes, it means stay where you are, and therefore they had no permission to enter. Abraisa says that if a worker goes into the shoes of the employer to collect his wages and is killed by the employer's ox or dog, the employer is potter from having to pay kaifer, even though the worker entered with permission. Furthermore, now if he entered with actual permission, the employer would clearly be Rather, we have to say that the worker knocked, the employer responded with a yes, and the Brisa holds that yes means stay where you are. Zak the Mishnah, if two oxen who were each a tam fought with each other and damaged each other, the owner of the ox that was damaged uh, that, that was damaged less will have to pay half of the excess of the damage to the owner of the ox that was damaged more. If they were both a muad, the owner of the ox that was damaged less will pay for the full excess damage to the owner of the, the ox that was damaged more. If one was a tam, one was a muad, if the damage done by the muad was more than the damage done by the tam, the muad pays for the full excess damage. If the damage done by the tam was more than the damage done by the muad, the tam pays for half of the excess damage. Similarly, if two people injured each other, the one who did more damage will pay for the full excess damage to the other person. If a person and a muad ox damage each other, then the one who did more damage will pay the full excess damage to the other one. If a person and a tam ox damage each other, if the damage done by the person was more than the damage done by the tam, the person pays the full excess damage. If the damage done by the tam was more than the damage done by the person, the tam pays for half of the excess damage. Rabbi Akiva says, even in this case, if the Tam did more damage, the Tam must pay for the full excess damage. Zok, the Gemara Bright says, the Pasuk of Kamishpat Loi teaches that just as when an ox injures another ox, if the injuring ox was a Tam, he pays half damage, and if he was a Muad, he pays full damage. The same would apply to an ox that damaged a person. Rabbi Akiva says, Hazeh refers to the immediately preceding Pasuk, which discusses a Muad, and teaches that an ox that damages a person is always given the status of a Muad. And the words Yeyasa Loi teach that the payment only needs to be made up to the value of the damaging ox and not beyond that. In fact, according to Rabbanon, what does the Pasuk say? What do they do with the they say it's needed to teach that the owner is not chayev for the Arab Dvarim in this case. Rabbi Kiva learns this from the Pasuk of Ish Kiyite Mumba Misai. The Rabbanon say from this Pasuk we would, all, we would say there's only part of him having to pay. For Tsar, we wouldn't know the rest. Zuck the Mishnah of an ox worth 100, gored, 100 zuz, gored an ox worth 200 zuz, killing it, and the, the nevela is worthless. The owner of the dead ox takes the live ox as payment for his damages. Zuck the Mishnah follows Rabbi Kiva from Rabbi The Rabbi Shmuel says we must appraise the live ox in Bezin, and the owner then pays the appropriate value. Rabbi Kiva says that the live ox itself is used to, for the payment. Mark explained the Machlaik, he says that Rishmol holds that the damage considered is, is like a debt, which the damager has to pay. Rabbi Kiva holds that Nizik and Amazik become partners in the live ox. The Machlaik is based on the Pusik that says that the live ox should be sold and its proceeds divided. Rabbi Shmuel holds that this Pusik is directed to Bezin, and the sale should be done if the Mazik has no other means to pay. Rabbi Kiva says this Pusik is directed to the Nizik and the Mazik, and teaches that they're considered to be partners in the animal. What's the nafka meaning between them? The difference would be if the nizik was magdish the property. According to Bishmol, would not become kaidish. According to Rekiva, would. Rabbi Yisrael Nachman, according to Bishmol, what would the halacha be if the mazik sold the ox? Since he says the mazik is a debtor, he still owns the animal and could therefore sell the animal. Or maybe we say that since the, the nizik has a lien on the animal, the mazik can't sell it. Nachman said the animal would not be sold. In fact, Bryce says that it is considered to be sold. Mar says it's sold, but the nizik can go and take it back from the buyer for payment for the damage. In fact, if you can take it back, then in what respect is it considered to be sold? Mar said if the buyer used the ox, 
box before it was taken back, he doesn't have to pay for that use. Fechmar, this seems to suggest that we collect movable items that were sold by the debtor. The says this case is different because it's considered as if the ox was made in a poitiki for payment of the damages, in which case it may be taken back even though it's movable property. Fechmar, we learned that Rava said that a slave can be used as an apoitiki, but an ox cannot. Mar says the reason a slave may be used for an apoitiki is because it has a coil, has public knowledge. This ox, which has gourd, also becomes public knowledge because of its goring, and therefore it can also be used as an apoitiki. That said, if he sold the live ox, the sale is not affected, but if he was magdish the ox, it does become hegdish. Who sold the ox? If the mazik is the one who sold it, the rice must follow Rabbi Kiva, who said that the ox is no longer his to sell. And the part of the rice that says he can make it hegdish must follow Rabbi Shmuel. If we say that it's a nizik who sold it, then we uh, then we say that the sale is not effective. When we say the sale is not effective, we're following Rabbi Shmuel, but when we say the hegdish is effective, follows Rabbi Kiva. So the rice is a sizer. Everywhere the rice refers to where the mazik sold it, and even Rabbi Shmuel agrees that the sale is not effective because the nizik has a lien on the ox. Also, the hegdish will be affected even according to Rekiva as a gzeir of a revo, who says that we're geyser so that people shouldn't say that hegdish went out to chula without first being redeemed. Therefore, although it is truly not hegdish, a minimal amount would have to be given as a redemption. Zaktikmar Bryce says if an ox that is a tam does damage, then before the ox is taken to Bezdin, it's like this. If it's sold, the sale is effective. If it's made hegdish, it becomes hegdish. If it was shechted or given away as a gift, what was done was done. However, once the ox was taken to Bezdin, if it's sold, the sale is not effective. If it's made hegdish, it does not become hegdish. If it was shechted or given away as a gift, it is not effective. If creditors of the mazik came and collected the ox for their debt, whether the debt happened before the damage or vice versa, the creditor may not keep the ox because the damage is only paid for from the body of the ox. If an ox that is a muid damage, whether it was already brought to Bezdin or not, if it's sold, the Sales effective. If it's hegdish, made hegdish, it becomes hegdish. If it was shechted or given away as a gift, whatever was done was done. If the creditors of the mazik came and collected the ox for the debt, whether the debt happened before the damage or vice versa, the creditor may keep the ox because the damage is anyway paid from the best of the mazik's properties and it's not limited to the body of the ox. The Gemara explained when the Bryce says that the sale of a Tom ox before it goes to Bezin is a valid sale of Fazer Bishmol. That means that the Nizik will be allowed to take it back from the purchaser, but if the purchaser used the ox when he had it, he will not have to pay for that use. When the Bryce says that the Hegdish is effective, it means that a minimal amount will have to be given for its redemption on the basis of the Xerah by Revo, like we explained right before. The fact the Bryce said if it was Shechter given as a gift, what was done was done. Now, the gift being effective is teaching that the, recip- the recipient of the gift doesn't need to pay for it for any use that he had before it was taken back by the Nizik. However, the case of it being Shechter, why can't the meat just be taken back by the Nizik as paid? Rav Shizbi said this is teaching that the Nizik must bear the loss from, from any depreciation to the value of the animal due to the Shechita. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, said, from here we can learn that if someone damages the lead of another, he is potter. In fact, it seems obvious from the Bryce, so why does Rav Huna have to say that? And said, we would think that in the case of the Shechita, he can tell the Nizik, I didn't do anything except take away the breath, meaning the life of the animal, and that's why he's potter. However, in a case when he did real damage to property subject to a lien, maybe he would be chayev. Rav Huna therefore teaches that it's not, that he's not chayev. In fact, my rabbi taught this that when he said that if someone burns the documents of another, preventing him from the ability to collect his debts, he's potter. I said we would think that in that case he is potter because he only damaged paper that is evidence of a lien, but not the property of the lien itself. The Bryce teaches that even when he damages the property of the lien itself, he's not chayev. Shaktimar the Bryce has said, if creditors of the Mazda came and collected the ox for their debt, whether the debt happened before the damage or vice versa, the creditor may not keep the ox because the damage is only paid from the body of the ox. Now, if the damage took place before the debt, this would make sense. However, if the debt was incurred before the damage, why can't the creditor keep the ox's payment for his debt? Even if the debt happened after the damage, since the debtor seized the ox, he should be allowed to keep it. Are we to learn from here that when a later creditor seizes an asset, he must return it in favor of an earlier creditor? And for the Gemara, typically, one, once an asset is seized, he may, the person who seized it may keep it. However, in this case, because the the payment for damages is limited to the body of the ox, the Nizik has a stronger lien. Therefore, in this case, he's able to demand the return of the ox for payment of the damages.